When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Pedal on the middle tonight here on Ripco Race Control with McIver, Murphy and Alexander. Time to go to Andorra. Well, I think we're in Andorra. The last time I said Andorra, I was wrong, but our MotoGP expert, the man on the ground, Simon Crafer, joins us right now. Hey, Simon, thanks for joining us again. Hey, hi there. Yeah, yeah, I'm in Andorra. Okay, cool. Well, I'm happy about that one. Good, st- good start to the show. I just let me start by saying uh, how crazy was the um, Alasia Spargo uh, dive bombing uh, been the other way around, Stephen. Was it the other, other way, way around? around? I got it wrong. It was Quattararo who dive bombed. No, 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 no. I'm the Binder and Miller. A Spargo outbreaking Binder and Miller. To win the race oh, in the oh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was impressive, wasn't it? it he was, was on another level. That that comeback from, what, 15th to 4th. Yeah, he was literally the fastest man. Showed himself as the fastest man that weekend. It was, it was super cool. Super cool. Um, one other thing he mentioned is that fast left-hander right before the chicane, he said he were, the bike felt so good, he felt so good he could carry more speed than everyone and that's what allowed him to get so close to, to do those, but he still did it, it was, yeah, really impressive Yeah, but let's let's go back to why he was on that, on that charge on the way through, I mean, the, the biggest story of the weekend, uh, by far, was uh, uh, your good man uh, Fabio Quattararo, making that move that desperate, sort of, very uncharacteristic move on Aleish, um early in the race, which I can't believe Aleish Sprago didn't go down as well. But Fabio Quattararo, <laughs> um, you know, sliding down the road on that Yamaha, mate, that was that was that was a shock to everybody, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, because um, he hasn't made any mistakes all year, so you get used to seeing that, don't you? You know that he that he's so clever and doesn't make mistakes, make, make mistakes, but also such good feel with his bike that when he does lose it, he catches it, you know, almost Mark-like. And so he stayed on the bike all the time, you know. Only had two falls, I think, all season, and they weren't in races. So, you know, and testing and qualifying and stuff. So we didn't expect to see a mistake like that. But Aleish put it pretty well. Like, I think, first of all, Fabio knows that he has to be in the front early on. Um, You know, if he follows too much, he gets front tyre problems. He... It's hard to pass. So he was, like every race, trying to get to the front quickly, you know, and uh, too impatient, obviously. But Aleish put it really well. He said, Fabio, it's not a dirty rider. It was, a, you know, just a mistake. And a part of the mistake, Aleish said this in his debrief, is because Aleish was so quick on that corner and Fabio is used to being able to just easily pass people there. Um, Aleish was saying, for example, Brad Binder, his bike didn't feel well. He had to slow right down there, and it was easy to dive bomb him. And I think Fabio, dive bombing other people and doing it easily, 
in that tight left-hander came up on the lace, said, I'm going to do the same. But the lace was mm. as fast as him in that corner, so they ended up in the same spot instead of Fabio ahead. And I think that was a really good description or explanation from a lace. Really good description. So with that in mind, then do you think, um, and I think he should, uh, deserves a long lap penalty at the next round? Like, I mean, we've seen Jack Miller get a, a couple of lates and bits and pieces, and Yamaha are really aggrieved by this and have said that they think it's unfair. But he still made a mistake, regardless of the fact that Elaish stayed up and didn't fall off. It still actually yeah. um, potentially meant he didn't win that race. So he deserves that penalty, doesn't he? Well, the, the thing is, I, this is only my personal opinion, but I think, I, I believe this is why people are not happy, is... Um, oof, dare I say it, but the inconsistency, you know, of the, the of the guys that are making the decisions, because uh, over the years they've been, I think, really good and unfairly crucified. You know, they've done a really good job with the Moto Three guys sorting them out. Um, the problem is, you see, um, you know, Banyaya getting away with taking Martin out early in the year, you know, in the first turn at. Uh, it was about three or four laps in, but or maybe a bit more. But first turn at Qatar, he took, you know, um, Jorge Martin out. You know, trying to outbreak him, lost the front, took him out. Then, then Jack did the same to Mir, uh, turn one at, uh, yes. you know, part of the way through, halfway through the race at Porto Mayo. Then uh, Tucker, after doing some pretty hairy first laps, yep. um, at a few races, takes out those two guys at. Um, you know, Rins and Bagnaia. Yeah, Rins and Bagnaia. Catalunya, you know, one of them fractures a wrist. The other one, both of them are in the championship fight, you know, in the top sort of three. And and then he doesn't get a penalty. Then Quattro does. That is the problem, you know. That's why Yamaha are going, what? Because, uh, look, you know, the, and, you know if, if, if the rate, I bet the um, stewards, if they'd explained, like, yeah, we made a mistake on the earlier ones, but we're going to, if they sat the riders down and said, we're from now, we're going to be tougher, you know, then everyone would understand. And I think that's where it's gone wrong. I really do. I think they're, they're trying to be tougher, but it looks unfair because they didn't nail the boys earlier, you know, the other ones. And now they have Quattararo. Um, hey, Simon, Tom Alexander. Obviously, Aleish has been super fast in uh, races this season. Do you think him and Aprilia have a genuine shot to take it to Quattararo for the championship? Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't have believed it, really, because, yeah. you know, for starters, um, Elaish has done 10 years in the paddock, roughly, I haven't calculated exactly, but it, it was 10 years with no podium. Then he got a podium last year, his first one, and the bike still wasn't quite there. It was impressive, but... And then to believe he'd come into this year and fight for the championship and be as good as he is, and the bike be that good, nobody, I think, expected that. And even the riders are saying when they're asked uh, by you know my colleagues, you know, for videos, who's the biggest surprise? You know, everybody says Aleish. And um, both the Aprilia uh, needs congratulating. Like they are so close to the Ducati now that it's. It's arguable which is the better bike, you know, in the championship. Which, again, who would have believed that? You know, that Aprilia has come from the whipping boys a few years ago mm. to 
equal to the best bike. That, that's incredible. And then Aleish, uh, you know, getting the podium last year, but now, like like I said, in Assen, he was the fastest man on the track. That That is really impressive. So, yes, from now on, it won't surprise me if Aleish takes it all the way. He's he's 31, if I remember correctly, and, one, well, you know, the most experienced guy, and, and uh, he's fighting guys that are in their early 20s, and I think Aleish... You know, he missed that chicken flag the other week, but in general makes really good decisions, <laughs> and he's really on form. So, yeah, you know, I hope he can, and and I believe he can. And do you think uh, that? And it was it was just amazing to see the smile on his face. I don't remember seeing a smile on Maverick Vignali's face like he had on the weekend. It was just phenomenal. I mean, he he was like, um, you know, the first time he'd ever been on the podium. It was it was awesome, but. It looks as though he really is starting to understand that bike too. They've got. It looks like there's, you know, Elaish has, has found the rhythm, but Maverick looks like he's he's starting to really understand what what it takes as well. I I agree with you. He's starting to rather than has. I think there's another step to come from Maverick to be able to fight right at the front, and he's not completely happy, you know, on the, on the bike or his style. He says. He's tried to change his style to, to ride the V4. He'd ridden an inline uh, for all his career. And then now he's saying he's changed it enough. He can't change the last bit. He needs to find it from the bike to help him ride how he wants, you know. And what the reason for saying that is I think there's one more step to come out of Maverick before he's a real race-winning, you know, contender like his teammate. And... Uh, yeah, I think part of the reason he's so happy there is that the Aprilia guys have treated him so well. They approach stuff differently. I see it because I do um, Thursday, I do debriefs with, uh, basically it's an interview, a video of all the factory crew chiefs, okay, from like two from each manufacturer. And I get to talk to them then and find out stuff and it helps me with my job as well. Um, and those the Aprilia team are so uh, open compared to, for example, the other extreme would be Honda, um, very closed. You know, it's almost like the staff are scared to talk in case the boss is watching. You know, with the Aprilia guys, it's the boss chatting with me, going, "Simon, you want a coffee?" You know, come on, and and I can ask them, for example, what happened to um, Maverick's right eye device. You know, and they'll tell me it, it wasn't the bit that activated it that failed. It was the device itself. You know, so you. These guys aren't, they, they treat their riders, because of this whole thing, quite differently, meaning very loyal, uh, don't uh, put pressure on them, uh, hire the, they've hired the best people they can and then they support them, which I think is the best team manager approach that I came across, you know, rather than uh, bullying or uh, putting pressure on or telling you how to do it or train harder, because everybody works differently, you know, and um they, it's nice to see them getting results out of Maverick because I think it's the only way to work with Maverick. You know, he's a sensitive little fella. So it'd be great to see him um, make that last step and, and fight for the win. Hey, Simon, just briefly, we're running a little bit on time, but you mentioned Honda. What do they need to do to get back to the front? Have Mark Marquez. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I fully expect, you know, on the Mark things that, they've done it at this time to get the timing right. In other words, be on the bike 
by the late in the season to be able to help develop it for next year and not miss the end of the season tests and and uh, to test the new bits. Um, what, I mean, if I fully expect Mark to fight for the championship next year, that's his plan for sure. And uh, if he sort that they fix that arm, and I have no doubt that he that he will. Honda, um, like I said, that they have a different approach. You know, they they are very closed shop, and I think that works when you're the best. You know, so other people don't steal your ideas, but it clearly doesn't work when you're trailing. You know, and because it's you that needs the information or ideas, and and uh, uh, I, I mean. I don't know what's wrong with the bike. I, I'd be a lot wealthier if I did. <laughs> and they don't know. Uh, I really don't think they know. You listen to, I listen to, all, listen to all their rider debriefs, and they don't know. They know what it's doing wrong, but they don't know how to fix it. And, um, yeah, I don't know if they will or when they will, you know, because I really thought they would have for this year, but it's struggling big time, big time, like meaning to get the bike to turn uh, front feel, which is so important for riders. And I think it's sad for the riders on Hondas because you only have a short career and the guys that have spent a couple of years on it have uh, gone nowhere. It's done nothing for their career. And, um, it's you know, it's sad that they can't show their potential. So I hope they sort it out, especially for riders, sounds, for riders' sake. It sounds a bit like the Mercedes and F1 situation, Simon. Hey, Simon, it's always it's always good to talk to you. Thank you so much for giving us your time, and uh, we shall talk again. Well, he's having a holiday. Okay. He's having a no break. Problem. He's having a He's having a break. He's got his feet up, drinking coffee, and having yep. a good time. I'm off to Le Mans, believe it or not, today. The Le Mans Classic. Oh, enough you. Jealous. Shut up. Oh, all right, enough of that. Thank you, Simon. Appreciate it as always. Simon Cray for our man on the ground, who is he, he very, very connected with obviously MotoGP because he's part of the commentary team. It's eight forty-eight.